All right, guys, welcome to the Golf Podcast Live. I'm Raphael Calamat, alongside, as usual, Michael Bleakley. On this 85th episode of our show, we have an American golf legend that has accumulated 11 PGA Tour wins, 10 PGA Champion wins, two major runner-ups, uh, 28 total professional wins. Pretty incredible. Uh, best ranking on the official World Golf Ranking was seventh. And uh, most importantly... Won the 1983 Canadian Open. Yes, right. <laughs> Never forget it. John Cook, welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome, John. Pleasure to be with you guys. Always, always a good time. Thank you for having me. John, you recently uh, marked the end of your playing career on the PGA Tour Champions. You pick the Galeri Classic at Mission Hills. Tell us what that means to you finishing off there and why you chose that location. Yeah, it uh, it was interesting. I um I hadn't really competed in a couple years, and I never really and I, I didn't really want to announce a retirement. Um, but when I heard that uh, we knew that the the Dinosaur ANA Chevron uh, Championship was leaving Mission Hills after fifty years, uh, and the PGA Tour Champions went right on in and uh, got Gallery as a as a, a great sponsor. Um, I thought, well, you know what? I mean, I spent so much time there as a child. Spent a lot of time there um, when when my wife and I got married in in 1979. In 1981, we bought a, a a place there. My folks had been there since the early 70s at Mission Hills Country Club. Mm. Uh, so when they announced that um, they were going to have an event, a PGA Tour Champions event there at uh, Mission Hills, I thought, you know what? This will be the swan song. I, I wasn't mm. really going to compete anymore. I thought, what a great mm -hmm. place to, uh, to call it a career, a uh, place where I really, really learned how to play golf. Ken Venturi was the first director of golf there. I met him there when I was 14 years old. I uh, worked with him until he physically couldn't do it. Um, right. I was close to 50 years old. Um, so, you know, we had a nice, huge run there. I, I just thought it was going to be the right spot. Um, mm. I had everybody uh, in my family was there. Uh, wow, my wife's cool. My, all my kids. Uh, Jason came from Austin. We had my our daughter Courtney and granddaughter Colette come from Australia. Um, wow. Oldest daughter Kristen and her husband came over. Uh, we had my cousin was there. My my sister was there. Her kids were there. It just it just seemed like the right place to be and and to call it a career. It wasn't like a real formal announcement, uh, but, you know, as the week went on, the players understood, the players knew there was a little something in the paper. There was a big board um, that uh, everybody that attended signed something. It was it was really it was really touching. So I just thought it was the right place. I thought it was the right time. Uh, Forty four years playing professional golf, I, you know, mm. to formally announce that I was I was not going to compete uh, in any more tour events. I'll play a pro-am, I'll play a, a pro member, mm -hmm. I'll play a member guest, a member member, uh, but not a tour event any longer. So I, I thought it was the right time, right place. Such an epic venue down in the desert there. And I, about 18 years ago, a buddy of mine and I were down in the area and we uh, had a round booked and we get to the course, get into the pro shop at Mission Hills, and they can't find our tea time. And we we're pumped. I was like researching the course and, <laughs> yeah. you know, having some fun. 
And it turns out we're booked at the Mission Hills Weston course. The so Weston course next door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So we pack up the car again and drive out of there with our heads down and uh, and carry on. Had fun, but it just <laughs> kind of yes. uh, took the wind out of our sails. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a great venue and a great choice for uh, you know giving your final hurrah there. Yeah, and I played okay. I wasn't real competitive, but I you know <laughs> I, I I played okay. Shot, I think. You know, three rounds of par or better, so that was that was good for me. You know, I I, I had played mm-hmm. like Jason, my, our our son, caddied for me. Uh, he basically grew up on that practice tee. You know, mm-hmm. whenever he went mm-hmm. missing from the house, it was usually Jason up on the practice tee at three or four years old, just up there ripping golf balls. <laughs> so I thought it was a great place to to have him caddy for me and 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 call it call it a day. I'll tell you, John, you brought up someone really interesting in the golf business, uh, Mr. Ken Venturi. It's a fascinating, unique relationship you had with him. Maybe you could tell our viewers and listeners a little bit about that relationship, how it started and what that meant to you. Yeah, it uh, it started. Um, Kenny was a big uh, auto racing fan, and my father at the time was the, the head of tire development at Firestone Tire and Rubber Company for the racing division. Um, and he had also uh, been around Firestone Country Club and uh, been part of the, you know some of the golf tournaments there way way back when in the, in the '60s mid '60s and mm-hmm. so he Kenny had struck up a little bit of a friendship. Um, so whenever my, my dad always asked Kenny, hey, you might why don't you bring your car? Kenny had one of the first uh, Shelby Co- uh, Cobras, the AC Cobras. Nice. So yeah, it was. You know, if he if that car was around today, it would be in the millions of dollars. Here, Barrett Jackson yes. Street right now, that car would be going for over a million dollars. <laughs> I think he bought it for I'm like five hundred or something. Anyway, so my dad was they were up doing uh, some tire testing up at Laguna Seca, uh, up in Northern California, up there around Pebble Beach, and um, he asked Kenny to, hey, why don't you bring your car up and we'll throw some racing tires on there so you don't chuck your tires up and you know running around Laguna Seca for, you know, a few laps. And it was like the greatest day of Kenny's life. You know, he had, he had, uh, wow. you know, previously won the U S open, but this was like in 1970, 71. Um, and Kenny had just started, uh, the, the, the project there at Mission Hills country club with some other investors. And, you know, he was a big part of that. And my dad, you know, wanted to join that club while we were in Southern California. So, you know, he bought a condominium. We had a little, you know, kind of a, a place out there. And of course, my dad not being short on words and, you know, Kenny would say, hey, anything I could ever do for you, Jim, you just let me know. And my dad, <laughs> without missing a beat says, yeah, I got a pretty good, I got a kid that's 14 years old. He's a pretty good player. I'd love to have you take a look at him. And I could just see Kenny's eyes was rolling. Oh my God, what did I get myself into? <laughs> um, but sure enough, we, uh, we met there at Mission Hills uh, Country Club uh, on the putting green. Uh, in, uh, I guess it would be 1972, uh, mm. you know, early in the year, maybe March or April or so. Um, of course I went up there, I had my, you know, bag I was carrying backwards. I had a, you know, visor on, I had long blonde hair, little, you know, surf shorts, OP shorts on. And you know, I was just this 14 year old little golfer, surfer, base, you know, football player guy, <laughs> one of those kids. And, um, I met him on the putting green. He was super nice, came over and he kind of looked me up and down. I knew right away, I either need to tuck my shirt in or put a pair of pants on. So I tucked my shirt in <laughs> number one. Um, and he said, uh, Hey, I'll, I'll meet you. And give me 30 minutes. I got to 
couple things to do in the office. And uh, why don't you go down and walk around the practice tee? Um, because at that time it was only the one course. So there was just a, the practice area was just surrounded by sand mm -hmm. uh, and balls were all over the place. So he told me to go around the practice area and just pitch the golf balls back into the, the practice area. Um, so I went ahead and did that. And I, I found out oh, many, many years later, he told me that he didn't go to his office. He got in his golf cart and went behind the, uh, the range shed and watched me do this for a particular wow. reason. He said, I want to make sure that you were going to pay attention to me and, you know, believed me and uh, just paid attention to what I would ask you to do. Um, mm -hmm. And I did it. And he told me that years later. And I, one thing I never did about, I never questioned anything he told me. I figured that he's learned <laughs> Byron Nelson and Ben Hogan. Who am I, who my 14 year old kid going to question Ken Venturi hall of famer, you know? So mm -hmm. that's how our relationship started. And it just uh, was built on that. Uh, I trusted him immensely with everything that I was going to be doing in golf. Uh, he didn't like me playing football too much. He didn't mind basketball, but uh, I kind of kept doing that anyway. But um, we had a great relationship as my body was growing. He, we kind of kept adjusting uh, to how, you know, I was playing golf at the time. Uh, a few months later, I, I won the, the, the uh, 14 and unders at uh, junior world at Balboa park. Uh, so we kind of parlayed that into something pretty quick and, I got way better pretty quickly and started winning a lot of junior tournaments there in Southern California. And, you know, then one junior world, it's Torrey Pines, you know, later on and, you know, kind of took it from there. So I just kind of kept progressing. And the one great thing about it was we kept progressing at every level. I, I didn't, I didn't stay stagnant at one point. I didn't get like really super good and then stay there. I got good and good and better and better and better and kept, mm. kept getting better um, as I went along, as I got older, well into high school, into college. Um, so that was, uh, you know, you know, he was a huge part of my life. We miss the guy every day. I, I still talk to his sons, uh, Tim and Matt, uh, on, on, on an occasional basis. So, um, we all became a, a kind of a real close knit little family there. That's really neat. He, mm -hmm. I, I've heard some stories uh, of Ken and jumping on a plane with Frank Sinatra and going to New York oh, yeah. and having some wild, wild times and uh, yep. uh, pretty epic stories. Were you ever lucky to uh, participate in any of, uh, of their <laughs> not, uh, not in supposed those. debauchery? <laughs> no, not in those. I was a little young, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. we did <clears throat> did get to meet uh, uh, Mr. Sinatra. Uh, we did Great. get a chance to go over his house at, at one point in time when we were when we were kids, um, and, and meet the great man and and watch those two interact was uh, was amazing. <laughs> the interaction mm -hmm. that, uh, that Kenny had with uh, Mr. Sinatra. So I've been very very lucky. Meet a lot of great people, um, a lot through through Kenny, and uh, we would enjoy dinners when he when CBS was doing the telecasts out on tour. I was always uh -huh. along with he and Frank Chikanian. Um you know, and, and it, uh, it was quite fun. It just was uh, a great relationship that lasted a long time. Mm -hmm. That's great. Wait. You know, John, but, you know, if we circle into uh, something that's a little bit more current in what's happening now, we talked to Len Matisse yesterday, and we were talking about uh, Nick Dunlop and what he <laughs> accomplished by winning on tour. You know, it's been 30 some odd years since an amateur on the PGA Tour has won an event. Your thoughts 
If you were in his shoes, would you turn pro with everything that's going on right now with the level of game that's available on the PGA Tour and the amount of money? Should he just jump in and take advantage of all that comes with the win? And normally I would say to hold off, but I think in Nick's uh, situation, um, he was, you know, he was already in the Masters. He was always already in the U.S. Open. He was already in the Open Championship from winning uh, the U.S. Amateur last year at Cherry Hills. I followed that match. Mm-hmm. I followed another match of his. Got to know him pretty well. Um, extremely impressed with his game. He was just, you know, going mm-hmm. into his sophomore year of college. It wasn't like yeah. he was, a, you know, fifty-year senior or something. He was a young, <laughs> young man. Uh, very, very impressive. Uh, but to win a PGA Tour event and all that comes with that, I mean, he's he, he's even if he turns pro, he's still in the Masters. He's still in the U.S. Open. He's still in the Open Championship. Now he's in the Players. Now he's in the PGA. Now he's in all these signature events uh, by being a winner. Um, normally, like I said, I probably would you know, maybe discourage him from turning professional. But the way that he did it and what is ahead of him now – I think the timing is right. I, I think the timing is right for him. Uh, he's proven that he can he can he can do it. Um, he he took his time with that decision. Uh, he he took the week off um, and decided to uh, you know step right into the uh, AT and T Pebble Beach uh, up there. The um, is a signature event, so he's got one of those yeah. spots. Why not start yeah. right there? I don't know. I'm sure that, you know, Liv has come to him and made him a huge offer. I don't Probably. know. I've kind of heard yeah. things, um, but we won't know until, you know, that, that time comes, but it sounds like he's going to be up there at that signature event. That means that he will miss, you know, that live event. So it's, um, I say the timing is right. Absolutely. He is such an incredible player and, and you'll watch him. And I watched that uh, USAM and, and that was something else, but the, the PGA Tour event, he, he hit a couple squirrely shots and, and rebounded and uh, to to close off and that up and down on 18, you know, knowing uh, that yeah. he only had one shot lead by that point on the tee, he didn't, I believe. But by the time he got to the green, he knew. And to make a six-footer with all those people around, that just showed uh, uh, he's got nerves of yeah. steel and Absolutely. tremendous potential. Absolutely. So, um, yep. yeah, I expect he'll turn pro too. And I think uh, you make good points there. You know, he's not missing out. It'd be one thing if he turned pro and he missed out on uh, on all these wonderful. Right, invites, exactly. Uh, yeah. But, but he, did, yep. he doesn't lose out on that. And oh. and if he does well, he gets the money and the points and um, he could accelerate yep. his career very quickly. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, truth being told, you know, golf is very unique in the sense that you just talked about having a career for 44 years. <laughs> now, what other sport can you say that? And I don't think with today's athletes and the way golf is going that they're I don't think golfers are going to have careers that are that long. So taking advantage yeah. of a situation uh, is incredible. Uh, I mentioned the Canadian Open. That was 41 years ago, 1983, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and yeah. I was doing some math and Mike and I were laughing about this in 1983, you made $425,000 for first place. Now last year, Nick made 1,625,000 for first place. So a substantial difference. But if you look, if you prorate it, if you compound uh, the average uh, <laughs> over 41 years at, at a 2.2% inflation, don't ask me, I've got too much time on my hands uh, today. <laughs> 
you know that that would equate to 1.1 million right now there you go right so right so it's you know yeah, it's not so that, that far uh, off Yep, that uh, <laughs> that that big whatever check that was. It was you know we always go back to being retroactive. Wouldn't it be nice if you know third on the money list would you know what it is now? Right. Was back mm -hmm. in 1992 when I was third on the money list, or yeah. But it's uh, you know I'm 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 really impressed with these you know with these young men, and you know I I absolutely agree that the money that they're making. Uh, it's it's a major sport and they should be making mm -hmm. uh, what they can compared to other sports where right i mean you never even get off the bench and you're making you know 15 right. dollars a year so um you know I, for what they do where they start the year with zero um they don't start the year with all that money they start the year with zero and you have to you have to perform if you don't perform mm -hmm. they forget your name yeah. pretty quick and then out you go john we're canadians yeah. We're Canadians, so we're going to ask you about that Canadian Open again. <laughs> How much do you remember of those six playoff uh, holes with Johnny Miller? Um, yeah, I you know going down the stretch and uh, and winning that event. I think it was a fairly early win for you in your career. It's my second win. Yeah, it was. And uh, the thing I, I, I try to tell people too is, well, you know, you know, Tiger was winning against these guys, and it was, well, you know what, I I beat Johnny Miller in a playoff, and a guy named Jack Nicholas was one shot out of that playoff. So. I'm pretty proud of that win, uh, especially how I did it, hitting probably the best shot I've ever hit in my life, to, even to this day, on the 72nd hole with a one iron from 218 yards. <laughs> I wouldn't have hit that six wow. iron. It was a one iron into that um, because I knew I had to make a birdie. Uh, Miller was in the house already. I think it was seven under par. Uh, it was a par 71 back then. So uh, we played 16, number 16 as a par four. Uh, mm. So it was a par 71. Um but uh, I got I, my my caddy at the time, Dennis Turning, <laughs> Disco, the infamous Disco, uh, challenged me. Yeah. He says, I, "I know that you can make birdie, you know, laying the ball up. I understand that, but you can make a three. You're hitting it good. You know, just trust this. this is the right club. You know, take it a little left of the flag, and you know, you can use that slope back there. And I just hit this pearl of a one iron straight up in the air, like I've never hit before, and I could just feel the ball come off the face and you know, it was just one of those shots that just hit just over, you know, just on the green, rolled just off the back of the green, almost went in the hole, just in the back bunker. But it was just the most simple bunker shot you've ever had. I was thinking about holing it. So, um, you know, then to go into that playoff and, you know, playing 16 over, you know, 16, 17, 18 twice, I had my chance. Glen Abbey, just so our listeners yeah. and, and our viewers know what we're talking about here on at Glen Abbey. Yeah. So yeah, 16, I had my chance. Uh, Johnny Miller got it, you know, made a great two putt from the right side of the green. I had about a 12 footer, just missed it. I had about a 12 footer on the net on 17 um, that I just missed as well. Um, 18, I had a chance, missed it. He rounded 16 again. I had a chance, missed that one. And then all of a sudden Johnny Miller had a chance at 17. I go, here you go. <laughs> He's oh, going to bury this 12 footer and he missed his. And then I was not going to let the opportunity go at uh, at number eighteen. So I made about a six uh -huh. win. So it was uh, it was a great win for me. What a great time! Uh, a wonderful golf course, a very major championship. Uh, being the Canadian Open, it was it got me into the World Series of Golf. Um, you know, later that, that that fall, which my father was the the tournament director, tournament manager for. So um, it opened a lot of doors for me. Amazing you can recall in such detail 
uh, you know, <laughs> with the probably tens of thousands of rounds you played in your in your My lifetime. My dad could probably tell you the pairings that I had all week as well. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, you know, I know you've gone through some recent challenges. So I'm glad you know uh, you, you you battled with the melanoma. So yeah. I, I ho hopefully everything is uh, on track now and you're yeah. all right. I've been clear. That's yeah, fantastic. Uh, two Good. years. Uh, it'll be two years in April. I go back every three months. I just had a checkup. She was very very happy with uh, where my body is and no no real issues. Nothing else has popped up since. And well, I had That's one great. little thing taken off the top of my eye. Um, earlier uh, last year but it, it came out fine so yeah, clear good. health so far right now <laughs> fantastic what do you think uh is in store for us this year john we've got live starting up in a couple of weeks john rom is uh yeah. recently uh defected if you will and yeah. rory's uh seemed to be changing his stance a little bit and any predictions yeah. on uh other players we might see jump over there I'm not sure about players. You hear, you hear names. Um, you just, you hear a bunch of names and, and, you know, we'll, we'll see where this goes. I know I, I feel like there's going to be a resolution somehow. There's going to be a compromise. Mm -hmm. There's going to be, you know, maybe uh, um, a, a, some tournaments, you know, go being t taken over. I, I don't know where it's going to go. They, they, they do need to get something done. They need to, they need to come to an agreement of, of some sort. Mm -hmm. Um, you know what I, tr I also try to tell people, and I, like I said, I've said this to you guys before. Um, I don't blame anybody for going. I don't blame anybody for staying. Everybody's family situation is different. Everybody's personal situation is different. Everybody's career situation mm -hmm. is different. What's good for somebody may not be good for somebody else. And, you know, a lot of the, the guys that are going now are either European, they're Australian, they're South African. Mm -hmm. You got to remember too that they grew up wanting to win Ryder Cups and win the Open Championship. Maybe play the PGA Tour, but that wasn't like their goal to play the um, PGA Tour. They wanted to play, you know, in those major championships. So, um, you know, for a U.S. player now, it's playing the PGA Tour and it's doing this, and you know, they have to you know, figure out where their career is and where it's going to be going, and you know, what they can do, and if you know, you know, how they can expand their you know, their generational family situation. I, I, I understand all that um, for a mm -hmm. European tour player or a European player, or, or, you know, a continent type of player uh, from the rest of the world. You know, I, I, I kind of understand where they are coming from. Um, so it's uh, like I said, it's different situations with different people, different players. Um, there's no right or wrong answer. It just, uh, it is, it is what it is, but I, I do feel like fairly soon we're going to get, come to a point where the PGA tour and the PIF are going to be able to, to in, integrate, um, to move this game forward with, without, uh, without remorse and, and, and keep mm. this great thing going. John, you yeah. shared your thoughts recently on the 2023 <clears throat> Ryder cup and how you found it, uh, challenging to watch so maybe yeah. you want to expand on that yeah. uh, and also also a two-part question of the century not being a champions event anymore so the the Ryder cup and the century they'd love to get your feedback on that yeah the Ryder cup um <laughs> pardon me it um 
it was a little bit tough to watch, especially the first day where they got absolutely boat raced and they nobody looked like they were ready to play golf. It looked like they yeah. had been off the game, out of the game for five weeks. It just looked that way. Um, the uh, European tour, um, the European team looked like they were ready to go. They were prepared. They were they were going to get to day one and they were going to come out blazing and firing on all cylinders. And it looked like the U.S. team just got so far behind the eight ball yeah. that uh, they looked they looked disorganized. Just their games, not not the team or the people or the players. They just didn't look ready to play to me, and it was it was hard to watch. Um, yeah, they kind of got better as the week went on. Uh, you know, with all the other you know kind of things that were supposed to be going on that never really were going on. I, I have some great inside info. A lot of that stuff was just totally made up. Mm. Uh, but uh you, you mean know, in uh, regards to the illness uh that was mysteriously yeah, you know, the, circling yeah, around or yeah that, you know, patrick the with, with the note with the hat <laughs> thing i mean that yes. was that was such a non-story that they made into a big it story you know, who ended up being the best player on the u.s team was patrick cantley you didn't want any part of him yeah. so uh it just fueled him talking to him over the winter time uh it, it just fueled his um but anyway it just I thought that the team looked unprepared early. It got behind the eight ball. Then they really didn't have any chance after that. The European team was so ready to play. Um, so I, I, I kind of put that maybe on Captain Johnson, but maybe, maybe been a little bit stronger on maybe playing a fall event to get ready, maybe yeah. playing Napa the week before or playing, you know, something. Um, going yeah, over yeah. to Europe and playing something the week we're going there. Well, going there early wasn't a great idea, but what do I know? Uh, you know, uh, I don't think that they, they should have got there early, maybe played right. and be fresh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with everything. So it was, yeah, I just, it was, it was unusual to me. They just didn't look prepared, honestly. And the, you know, the century, yeah. <laughs> you know, Kapalua or La Costa was always the tournament champions. You had yeah. to win a tournament to get in the event. You knew that. That's the qualification. No other qualification. Mm -hmm. If you won an event, you got in. Um, and now it's just, you know, basically anybody in the top 50, uh, if yeah. not, so it's not really a tournament yeah. champions. And I, I keep no, it's not as well that it's it seems to me like the emphasis. The emphasis on winning, I, winning is hard, believe you me. Winning is hard, might be harder now than it's ever been, but uh, it just doesn't seem like there's an emphasis on winning golf tournaments anymore. Mm -hmm. Down the stretch, you don't see guys trying to do something to win the tournament. Um, you know, try to, you know, backdoor a top 10 and you know, get those points to get in the world rankings. Okay. But, uh, you know, the, the tournament champions should be the tournament champions. You have to want a tournament. So, I've been I'm mm. pretty pretty yeah. vocal that I'm, I'm pretty confident it, that it makes the field smaller. But that was what the the draw of that event the was. Draw was. Uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You, you exactly. have the most recent winners there in one place, and, and that's it. There's there's yeah. no uh, they're not changing the the entry conditions to increase the field. Now just leave exactly. it as it is. There's plenty of tour events, so so there's there's dozens and dozens of guys there who uh, any one of them can beat each other. And so exactly. it takes away the excitement of, uh, of that event. And especially, you know, but previous in the old schedule, when we started in the beginning of January is that's tournament one for the year. It just, it, it had a certain level of excitement when we yep. were all waiting for golf. We saw it through silly season. We, we were looking forward to that. So 
Yeah, yeah it's I'm, a shame. Hopefully they uh, course correct. And, and, well, the calendar's uh, back. I'm glad that. that Mike, you know, the yeah, calendar's definitely. back. Yeah. I, I'm really happy with the, with that. That's right. Uh, I, well, I, I got to yeah. give my two cents on the Ryder Cup. I should. I think Keegan and Lucas should have been on the team. Yeah, uh, based on merit, no but uh, mm -hmm. you know, instead of all this friend, friend, buddy, buddy stuff that seemed to be going like, on, uh, but yeah, you know, get like um, we love JT, but uh, he, <laughs> yeah. he didn't play his yeah. way in there and, and play your way and in. Probably would have served him better in his career to to sit out because how that would piss you off. It's like Michael Jordan got cut, you know, the first year uh, of his high school ball team. So exactly that pissed him off, and he worked his butt off, and uh, and then look what happened. So yeah. um, a lot to a lot to dissect. It's like the the American team brought a butter knife to a gunfight, and, totally, and uh, yeah. they lost badly. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, exactly. John, your future role as an analyst, is there anything coming up we could hear you or see you and uh, maybe some, uh, you should, I, I always uh, told Mike, you should be a vice pick or a captain pick either for the uh, president's or the Ryder Cup, but uh, oh, your yeah. future role uh, moving forward. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited. I, I have a very, very busy schedule this year in, in television. I'm doing 22 events for the PJ Tour champions. Uh, I'm going to nice. do at least uh, five, six events on the PGA Tour, plus uh, probably another six or seven more events uh, for the NCAAs, the college uh, events. Nice. Uh, a couple here this spring with the NCAAs being at La Costa this year. Mm -hmm. uh, and there, there's some great, you know, three or four fall season events that'll be fantastic. Uh, so I'm excited about that. It's where we kind of saw Nick Dunlap. We swear we saw a lot of these great, you know, these great players of today. Uh, we saw them in college. We've been covering uh, college golf on, on golf Channel since 2014 uh, at the NCAA. So it's a good solid 10 years of, you know, seeing these kids grow up and seeing, you know, wh why are these kids coming out so ready to play? Well, you know what? They're, they got to do interviews. They've got cameras moving all over the place. A lot of commotion going on, you know, around the, a golf shot that they're going to hit. So, you know, nothing really bothers them. So I'm excited to do that. It's going to be a busy year. And while I can still do it, uh, <laughs> keeps my brain thinking, uh, mm -hmm. It keeps it a little bit sharp, not quite as sharp as I have been in the past, but you know we're we're working on that too. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be an exciting year on, on both the PGA Tour champions. PGA Tour obviously is in a great spot, uh, and then NCAA golf. Um, so we'll uh, you'll you'll get your fair share here in my my crackly voice <laughs> on, on the tube. <laughs> Sounds like you're traveling more this year than you have when you're playing. Uh, definitely we my wife and i we we kind of we kind of joke about now that i've retired from golf i'm i'm busier now than i was before playing yeah. well john we're we're extremely thankful for you coming on and sharing your time with us and sharing these wonderful stories you know and uh, they'll have a place to live and people could listen <laughs> and watch you um Hopefully we could maybe get a game in our uh, nine holes. Uh, we're going to be doing some content in Florida later on this year. Uh, okay. I know you're out in California, but uh, let's stay in touch. Absolutely. My pleasure, guys. Always a pleasure to talk to you. You guys have a great show and uh, it's, it's fun to be part of. Thank you. Awesome. Right. No, we're really happy to have you come back uh, for the third time now. So no, again, thank you for your time and uh, best of luck this year. We'll be watching and listening. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Good. All Good. right, Take for care, Mike John. Bleakley and uh, 